love the way you say film. Hello and welcome back to the film show. Thanks so much for listening, by the way. Uh, I'm your host, Owen Ronane, and I'm joined by Dee Malumbi and Brian Lloyd. How are you guys? I'm very well. Good. I like the <laughs> fact that I was introduced first. This yes, nice. I decided to go counterclockwise. That's why Brian fumbled there. He's not used to hearing his name last on a list, you I'm, know? Hey, hey, <laughs> hey. He hey. puts himself first on the list. <laughs> hey. Because he's such true. a big chauvinist. Hang on. Yeah, because, you know, I hate women. You know, I've spent my entire life hating women. and I can't, It's your brand. It's my brand. And I can't, I can't but, you know, comment on the fact that I have been put last on this list and a woman has been put in front of me. Not unlike those 007 rumors. Oh. oh. How do you like that segue? I didn't even include that in the movie news. But actually, now that you've mentioned Can we it, will we talk there? about That's it briefly? Brilliant news. Yeah, yeah, go on. Movie news. That was a great segue. <laughs> Movie news. Okay. That was so seamless. And you really what? steered us away from that chauvinism. <laughs> <laughs> totally blanked it. By the way, as now that you're segueing, I'm gonna name drop here because oh I have actually God. met Lashana Lynch, <gasps> oh! who is the one rumored to be uh, the new 007. Although, just to clarify, my understanding of this news is she's the new 007, but not the new James Bond. Yeah. So it is there is a difference yes. there. So Brian, why don't you geek out for a bit and tell us exactly what that means? Okay, I love this. So at the end of Spectre, essentially what happened was James Bond had retired from MI6 and Class. he had essentially given up the code name 007. Now. The Daily Mail reported uh, last Sunday that what they were essentially planning to do for the movie was, was that, you know, Ray Fiennes M would be in having a meeting with, uh, you know, Q or whomever. And he'd go, 007, get in here. And they'd open up the door and M would walk. Shana Lynch. And obviously because James Bond has retired, the Mm -hmm. code name 007 has been given to someone else. And it's very meta. It's playing off all the... Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, personally... (laughs) Personally, myself, um, I think that it won't be like this, right? I'll tell you why. Two reasons. And D, you're going to back me up on this. Oh. There has been that much amount of bullshit and rumors mm. around Bond 25. In fact, in all Bond movies, I've but never particularly seen... around Bond 25. Like, it's just gotten way it's out of control. Ridiculous. Yeah. It is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, it would not surprise me in the slightest if this was completely made up. Oh. I'm being deadly serious. I genuinely think. From within the production kind of thing? No, from the Daily Mail. I think the Daily you Mail don't mean it. to say. Do you mean to <laughs> impugn the journalistic integrity of the Daily Mail? And what's, yes, well, I and do. What's your second? Uh... No, that's it. Because I think it's I think it's a great idea. And if it had happened in the movie without this leak being in it, I would have been like, Jesus, that's a fantastic yeah. idea. Yeah. But the fact that, that this has come out, mm-hmm. it just, there's something about this that I just don't buy. Yeah, there's something all. a bit seedy about it. I mean, first of all, you kind of, you half wonder how manipulative the movie industry is now. Would they kind of, per- like, would they purposefully rather leak that kind of information yeah. to see what kind of reaction it gets sure, from the public, yeah. which could easily be, you know, the case. And then they kind of rewrite it or rejig it because presumably this isn't going to be a major plot point or anything. This mm. is something about them wrapping it up in the finale. Now, to go back to my point, I met Lashana Lynch and she's absolutely uh, lovely. So I met she her. English, sorry, is she English or she is? She is. Yes. She is. Yeah, she's yeah. English. Okay, so right. I met her through the Captain Marvel yes. junket because yeah. she plays um, Carol Danvers' best friend something. Maria I think it's Rambo. Maria Rambo, which I originally thought was meant to be. Oh, is that a, you know, gesturing towards Rambo? But it's a different spelling. No, it's, it's a comic like, book thing. Yeah, exactly. So it's a different thing. But I was like, oh. But anyway, I thought that she was really, you know, she had quite a small uh, role in Captain Marvel and everything. But I thought she was excellent in it and I like having met her she's really really I nice I watched that interview you she's did she was really really, really friendly and yeah chill. I actually watched her in the um Jamaican yeah yeah the press thing. conference yeah, 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 thing yeah, yeah. they That's did right. as well yeah, she seemed yeah. really sound but I don't know I could the thing I could see most with this is that number one it'll be incredibly con- inconsequential yes. to the film do you remember when they debuted Money Penny? correct and it was like, ooh, a bad oh, arse agent. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. it goes, it's also money, yeah. Penny. And we all get a big laugh. And then 
that's about so, it yeah, yeah. for the I series could, yeah. I'd also imagine it's something like that like even if she is introduced as 007 at the end that doesn't necessarily mean the series is now going to follow her and that character now Absolutely, it could be something yeah. like you know the end of the Dark Knight Rises and it was almost like just kind of a silly add-on oh by the way my name's Robin yeah just a kind of you know fan servicing exactly. or whatever or yeah. just like something a bit of fun but that doesn't necessarily you know and then the series ended there we're not going to follow you know Joseph Gordon-Levitt who's kind of I would watch that. Uh, would I? Mm, if it was Christopher Nolan. Anyway. Yeah, see, that's it. Yeah, I, there I, you I go. Think, yeah, I think they've got a director who's got a Christopher Nolan to do. Like, Even then, I mightn't watch it. Even then, it. I'd be like, eh, it's been done. It's been done. Sorry, go on. <laughs> uh, no, no, that was just like my final point was, yeah, I can't imagine it having that big an impact on the next sure. kind of phase yeah. in the James Bond I mean, if we think about what, anyway. what are they trying to achieve to secure their money and future money would be Daniel Craig will leave after mm-hmm. this one. So they're trying to secure some kind of legacy for him. I don't know, like, do you rule out the idea of her taking on the lead in the next film? Is that low-key uh, casting or what? I don't know. Like, I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, to be honest with you, like, I'm, I... Th- th- I think it'd be a really interesting, really brave, bold choice. I yeah. just can't mm-hmm. see them actually going for it. I don't think that. yeah, that's it. I, not to... They'd stop being able to sell watches in GQ or whatever. Exactly, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like all this kind of crap. Like, look, I, if they did it, if they had, and this is kind of funny that I'm going to use this turn of phrase, but I'm going to use it anyway. If they had the balls to follow through in this, brilliant. I'd love to see that. I don't think they do, though. No, no, not when there's stakeholders... There's so much, like, yeah, I mean, like, not even that. But, like, when we put the story, when I put the story up over the weekend, like, literally, first three comments were, James Bond is a man. Yes, he is a man. Oh, stop, yeah. But it's it's not that they're replacing James Bond with a black woman. It's the the code name of 007. She inherits it. Yes. And that's perfect. Like, that's a really good idea. Like, I mean, you see it with other, like... I can't name any off the top of my head, but with other action and spy franchises, there's like the handing over, like to the you, you know pass li- the torch, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So why not? Like why not pass it on to you know somebody like Lashana Lynch? Like I think she'd be great. I'd yeah. love to see her. Yeah, she absolutely would. Yeah. Yeah. So like why not? Why not just have 007? It's not James Bond. It's 007. Like that's you know they're two distinct different things. Speaking of iconic roles. Our next item of movie news is about who is going to play oh, Elvis. Yeah. So Way to seamless. move it on. So I don't have to do any segue work today. <laughs> I would love if the podcast We saw like you it. were drowning a bit last week. You were like, help me, help. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go through them without spoilers yet because we did spend a long time talking about this last yeah. time. So Baz Luhrmann auditioned several actors to play Elvis, uh, including Harry Styles, Ansel Elgort, Aaron Taylor-Johnson, Miles Teller, and Austin Butler. And we had a couple of different ideas about who might be there, but we didn't predict... Austin Butler. (gasps) Oh, well, no, actually, maybe we did. We're brilliant. In fact, when we were talking about... He was um, the least known. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I think that, that in fairness, Brian, you said, well, they might just go for an unknown. Also, they're cheaper. Yeah, (laughs) that's really it. Like, I would think if if I was Baz Luhrmann... (laughs) I need to think like Baz Luhrmann. <laughs> I'm a big, I'm a big foreign label, and I did, you know, from the Simpsons. Yeah, that's okay. your best. That was my bit. But no, um, no, it would make sense to get somebody like Austin Butler because, as you say, as I said before, like he doesn't have the baggage of Harry Styles. He doesn't have no. the price tag of Miles Teller or Ansel Elgort. Yes, and as well, you have this actor who isn't particularly well known. So when you watch him playing Elvis, yes. you're like, my God, he. Is Elvis. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's true. That you don't have prior associations. Exactly. With you don't them. have yeah, to think yeah. of prior associations. So makes sense. Um another thing I'll say in his defense is like when I saw remember I was telling you guys yeah. when we were talking about this that my kind of go-to um association with him was the Carrie Diaries, which oh, I'm yeah. still disappointed only lasted a season, but he was blonde in that. But then when I saw pictures of him as a brunette, he does actually he, he could be Elvis. I was know? looking at images of him. He has the same mouth, the yeah, same lips. Yeah. I could see them giving him a fake nose or something as well, but we'll see. We'll see how far they did, go. W- did you know him from anything else? 
Not, no, I know that he did like some Disney stuff in his youth. Like I think he did the Hannah Montana series. Yeah, he was in Zoe 101, I believe. Zoe 101. (laughs) I feel like I would. Not that I've watched it. I feel like I'd know him to kind of see, especially because I did watch those shows when I was young. And then I'd be like, oh yeah, he was that guy. But again, I'm pretty sure he was blonde in both of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I just It says here he did, what was it? Uh, The Iceman Cometh on Broadway opposite Denzel Washington. Oh, wow. Which is where he made his name, but uh. I think I that know. was where Baz Luhrmann kind of first heard of him and Probably. was like, oh, check out yeah. this guy. You know? yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure he had to jump through a lot of rehearsal bits for mm-hmm. musically and stuff like that. I don't know. I'm still apprehensive. That's know, actually yeah. improved it a bit. I, I like, I'm excited a bit now. That they've got that kind of good, that interest in a cast. And yeah, mm-hmm. I guess, I don't know, just Baz Luhrmann doing Elvis. Like, I, I, I know exactly what it's going to be like. I know exactly what it's going to be like. Yeah, and I can't freaking wait. It's Baz Luhrmann yeah, doing Elvis. That sped up footage shot. Yeah. So People excited. having a party. Everyone's going to party. Sorry, I just love Gatsby and um, Moulin yeah. Rouge so much. Oh, we talked about so this. Much. No, not yeah. my tea. Actually, Look, no, no. It, yeah. uh, I can see why it's divisive. Like, it's so stylized and everything. And Romeo and Juliet was the same. Um, although I think that Romeo and Juliet has slightly more fans than probably Moulin Rouge. Or, yeah, um, maybe different fans. Great Gatsby, yeah. yeah. Um, it's slightly broader, but... I just I I think it's going to be great. I have high hopes, guys. And I mean, look, as we were saying before, it is all about the musical biopics at the moment. And another thing, Tom Hanks. Oh, of course. As the manager. Yeah, as the He's playing opposite Big T. T Hanks. Thanks. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Tom Hanks. I see again, this is it. Tom Hanks in in a Baz Luhrmann film. You better have a musical number. I guess (laughs) you will. He's going to be fantastic. You know what? I'd almost like to see Tom Hanks play a bit of a jerk because the only real film I've seen him play an asshole in is A League of Their Own. And he's great at it. <laughs> yeah. In fairness, you know? He was in Lady Killers. Yeah. And he but was, he was kind of charming in that as well. Charming, yeah. <laughs> Always charming Tom Hanks. <laughs> and like Cloud Atlas as well. He was a bit of an asshole in that as well. Oh, I've never been able to sit myself through that. Isn't that like three hours long? It's not. It's, it's a I bit long. It it's great though. It's, it's, well, it's, it's, it's like, no, it's, mess cloud atlas is great brian lloyd 2019 <laughs> oh no i can't have another one of these no it's a mess of a film but when it's good it's really 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 good i actually um, kind of really want to see it it's <laughs> like it's a mess of, like all right i'll tell you right now cloud atlas is a complete mess of a film like it is so like there's parts where like jesus are you re- are you doing this like and i'm talking about <laughs> like you know they have actors in Asian face and there are like yeah like there are parts of it where there are like orgies it's just it's it's just a nut it's a complete like is it just them taking the source material and trying to cram it all correct 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 and like it's the Wachowskis as well yeah Mm -hmm. this was like them in between like that fall from grace yeah it was this was in between like Jupiter Ascendant and Sense8 when they were just like we are going nuts and we are going to make whatever we want and they made Cloud Atlas and you can watch it and you can really (laughs) feel that sense of like we don't give a shit we're making what we want to make and it's Bowl again. The Matrix like Two and Three had signs of that as oh, well. God. I know exactly oh, what yeah, to pick. You know what sure. I mean? What was that like party scene in Zion or yeah, whatever? with the dance sequence? Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> I think it, it it really does. I the thing that I always get about that is I remember the VMA awards. Remember the VMA yeah, awards yeah. where they made where they took the piss mm-hmm. out of D. You're probably a bit too young for this. No, well, I remembered the VMA Awards. I don't know if I particular remember this particular year, but yeah, yeah. So there was a VMA Awards where they basically took the piss out of the matrix revolutions and it was like they had the whole thing about the dance sequence and it was like andy dick was there it was just, <laughs> it's ridiculous like it's, it's not like but i mean again yeah that's i it. definitely am gonna look that up yeah it's hilarious like andy dick is like he's got like glow yeah, sticks mate. he's got glow sticks and he's at the party and he's all like <laughs> we heard there's something about machines i know what you have heard about machines oh my god perfect <laughs> <laughs> it's really good it's really funny it's, i'm not selling it well but it's very very funny um, huh? What were we talking about? <laughs> Todd Wendell Peter. Well, it's gone. We'll move no, on. Will. Baz I'll check it out. Baz no, yeah, no, no. Forget Baz. Actually, yeah. they do have similarities in yes. those kind of awkward sessions. They do. They completely do. They're just very over the top. Okay. The next trailer has. Oh, sorry. No, the official trailer has been released for the Kingsman prequel, also known as the King's Man. Man. Apostrophe. Is amazing on apostrophe. The King's Man. Yeah, the King's Man. Um, meh. 
Meh. Can I voice an unpopular opinion here? Okay. I do not care for the Kingsman movies. Oh. I don't think that that's not as unpopular as you might think. Some there are some real big big fans out there. And I remember watching it with um my boyfriend Ivan and he loved the movies and I just couldn't get into them at all. The first one I enjoyed, the second one was bullshit. I kind of enjoyed the second one. I thought they the were both kind of bullshit. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I well, I, on, I like, preferred oh, the first one. Yeah. I don't know. I mean like I know exactly what you mean. I wasn't a big fan of Kick-Ass either, necessarily. Yes. Yeah. I never Kick-Ass, thought it was that That's so funny because I would also put Kick-Ass in that kind of category. It's like kind of, I don't know, there's just something kind of wish fulfillment to like teen boys about it or yeah. something. It's very kind yeah, of infantile exactly, yeah. to me, you know? Yeah. Isn't there a bit where like the Swedish princess offers to ride him if he gets her out of prison? Yeah, or and like she, she, like, she promises him anal sex if, if, if she'll get him out. She's like, you can go up my bum. Like, <laughs> there's an action and in the original I think it's all rated cut there's like a shot which is just Ugh. what <laughs> oh, why just, are you taking notes Brian I, no, I wasn't I was just I, no because remember he has like a camera attached to him or oh, something so right. then it's like a POV shot and I'm like stop Filming, cut the tape. Yes, I did oh, see it's that. So gross. I think I, yeah, I think yeah. I did see and that. And then they have a similar kind of scene in the second one, which is it's just kind of weird and made me uncomfortable. I think, but like, I mean, I think what they were trying to because it's like it's you know uh, inspired by Bond. They're kind of going for that kind of like that is the yeah, idea. It's yeah. the teenage you know Bond. Yeah, but it's kind of sweary and stuff as well. It's yeah. not. It's not. Um, what was those like Stormbreaker series? Oh God, remember them? Yeah, Alex Ryder. Alex Ryder. Oh, yeah. It's not as straight faced as no. that. It's a bit more like laddie or something. Yeah, it's very like, I mean, I, I always found it funny that I think it was like the, um, it was in the first one where they had, uh, when uh, Colin Firth's character was talking about times that he had saved the world <clears throat> and up on the, up on the, up on his wall. Was the yeah, front. the newspaper clippings. Yeah, like. newspaper clippings of the sun. And I was like, yeah, that just says a lot, doesn't it? Like, it's just like, yeah. <laughs> you got front page of the sun all over your wall. Like, yeah. That's, that's why. <laughs> I was like, yeah, there's a reason why I don't like this film. And yeah. he got up and he walked out of the cinema. Yeah, I was like, yeah, that kind of says yeah. exactly why I don't like this. Remember yeah. Samuel L. Jackson's character had like a lisp or something? Yeah. I just, I didn't understand. Yeah, I, I, I just don't care for those movies. Yeah, um, but I mean... I didn't I didn't really get it. And then El- Elton John is in the second one for some reason. They're just kind of nuts, but I suppose some for some people it's like ha-ha nuts. Yeah. But for me it was just kind of, this doesn't really make any sense. It just feels like they're throwing shit at a wall and hoping yeah, something hoping will stick. something will stick, yeah. yeah. At the same time, I thought Tyron Edgerton was good. Like he, he deserved yeah, to yeah. get that like <clears throat> praise for it, but... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we he haven't is, talked about the new one yet. He is, I don't know, there is something about him. He's just kind of got it, whatever it is. I know that mm-hmm. that's such a cliche, but some people just have that kind of leading man yeah. kind of feel to yeah. them. And he definitely did, even from the first film. So I'll give him that. But mind you, this one doesn't star him or Colin Firth. Yeah. It's completely new cast because the whole idea is it's set in the 1900s. So it's before the events of either of the two that we've seen. Now, the Kingsman movies, they are going to have a spin-off film following The Statesman, which actually has already confirmed Jeff Bridges and uh, whatchamacallem? Um, Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. And who else was it? Did was that it one Halle actually Berry, do maybe? that well? I feel like it might have been so- Halle Berry. Yeah, but apparently it did that well that they're Just, getting another statesman and also two more Kingsman sequels, which Taron wow. Edgerton has been confirmed so for, but full. Colin Firth hasn't. Yeah, okay. so it's a proper big kind of franchise. Now, my understanding is it's Fox, isn't it? So yeah. I suppose it'll depend on what Disney does with it. But Well, apparently they're going to keep it going. Like, I mean, this is it. Like, it's money on the table and they yeah. can turn yeah. it into something like... I don't know. I was watching this trailer and I was just like... Are they suddenly going to become PG-rated Kingsman? I doubt it. Audiences? I doubt it. Because the whole thing is it's like comic book violence, exactly. right? Yeah, 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 yeah completely, yeah. But yeah, no, <clears throat> looking at this like trailer... Like really violent. <laughs> oh yeah, ridiculous. Like, yeah, like over... Like, yeah, like I mean that whole... I will say in the first one, the whole church scene... The church scene, scene yeah. That part, was very good. That was, yeah, really, yeah. that was so well done. That was really, really well done. Um, But yeah, no, I was looking at this trailer I was like... Ugh. I was just like, oh, Ray Fiennes is in it. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're kind of not really giving you much to go on. And I yeah. mean, it is like a really good cast. They've lined up and everything, but the trailer didn't really show you much, which I'm like, okay, maybe it's trying to like, you know, for fans, not giving you too many hints so that you watch it. And then you see all the connections to the Kingsman yeah. 
franchise and everything but are people that kind of nuts over exactly. it that I'm they're gonna of... geek out and be like oh my gosh so he is actually the son of whoever. I can't help but think we're gonna be in the wrong on this one though I don't know are people I, at home maybe, like maybe. pulling their hair out at how much they love the kings I think you see right this is now let's get a little bit political here for a minute oh my god Ooh. Yeah, we all ready we all ready holy shit okay here we go I think and this is my theory right I think the reason why Kingsman and Kingsman uh, The Golden Circle didn't do as well in Ireland or wasn't as received well maybe is because it really does use a huge amount of British very very heavily uh, British imperialist iconography Mm -hmm. and like in the US they go nuts for that shit. Mm. They love that shit. Oh, like, yeah. Well, as Even well, just... you had the statesmen brought into the Correct. second one, so that would appeal to American Correct. audiences, you know? Correct. But then you play that to Irish people and all we see is like, you know... <laughs> Are you telling me it's my subconscious re- republicanism that's for giving me, me from was, the whole time the I was like, oh, I don't like Here, I know you were saying this. It's really funny because last week you were talking about the King's Corgi in relation to this. Now, in that film, it's way more obvious. I wouldn't have gotten that from Kingsman. Like, it's definitely very English. Yes. It is. But I mean, by the same way that Bond is very English. Yeah. yeah. And again, you know? I mean, yeah. And again, it's that thing of like, I mean, you know, for a long time, Pierce Brosnan was Bond. Like, and he, mm. he's from fucking West Navin. Bay. Yeah, or from Navin, yeah. Um, so there was an element of, ah, sure, look, it's gas, he's Irish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, no, but with Kingsman, like, it was very leaning on that kind of banter lads, mm. English lads, yeah. having their pint, and I was like, oh, I don't Something know. Something well, tells me if you think that... Um, the the two we've already seen are so like that. I have a feeling the Kingsman will be yes. even more, more of a so. pastiche or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's got World War One imagery in the and trailer. It's got at Rasputin, the start. Yeah. Yeah. As played by Risa Van. Good cast. Good casting. Like I could totally see Risa Van playing Rasputin. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So this one is going to be like a quasi-historical drama or something. Yeah. I know exactly what you... I, I read a really good article. I wish I knew the source so I could credit it, but it was about how It's Bond... okay, you can copyright steal. Yeah, I'll just <laughs> pretend I came up with this. I, this was my idea. <laughs> Go on, yeah. It was talking about how James Bond always represents British colonialism yeah. abroad and the idea of starting this new one in Jamaica where Fleming wrote a lot of the books mm-hmm. and was very colonialist himself very. out there. Yeah. Um, and just about it's like what diminishing stature around the world and stuff like Correct. that. But at least as much as we want to slag Bond 25, it's probably going to try and deal with a lot of those themes. I think it will. Yeah. About gender and identity and colonialism and stuff like that. Whereas this I is... wouldn't give it too much credit. It's just going to have a bunch of car chases and explosions. Yeah, and they'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> no, there'll be like one or two lines and everyone will be like, oh my God, it's talking about Brexit. And it's like, no, they wrote in those one or two lines so that it looks smarter than it is. It's an action movie, people. Sorry to be a bit cynical, <laughs> but it's bombed for crying out loud. So. You're not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Did Skyfall have that kind of thing where it was like maybe like a tattered Union flag or like a little a, bit? Yeah, I mean there was one. I remember, an old Churchill. Yeah, no. It was, I feel it like was there T. was Elliot. a shot where he's like by a flag. Or it was. Something. It was at the yeah, end. Yeah. It was at the end when he was standing up on the roof and he's just like standing there and there's a British. The flag. Union holds. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That kind of thing, like England prevails. Yeah, this kind of like oh, um, yeah. I don't know. Like I, I just. I don't know, maybe it's just because I got all the Brexit shit or whatever. This is kind of like playing in the back of my head. This idea of like, you know, yeah. the idea of like British kind of. Oh, it's true. Yeah. yeah it's just well, like, it's, yeah. Yeah. It'll I, be interesting to see then, you know, with whatever the result of that is when it comes out, how referential it's going to be. Because like, you know, you can't be dated. Either, no, so. not at all. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys buy into that where like the more politically difficult things get, the more vaudevillian oh absolutely the entertainment becomes absolutely yeah I just remember like all those shows sprang up in the same year that were like the Great British Bake Off but also like just every show was like a lad going to a farmer and going maybe this is the future of good British meat or whatever (laughs) no I I, I genuinely think that yeah I think in times I mean that's that's you know, like, you go back to, like, you know, the Cold War and shit like that. Like, when the mm. Americans had, like, fucking G.I. Joe and Rambo. Yeah. And, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger doing Commando and stuff mm-hmm. like that. There is that thing of, like, in times of war, in times of, like, political upheaval and what have you, you'll go for the most broadest, most 
obvious example of mm. this is what we're going to be. This is we're going to yeah. be the best. We're going to have G.I. Joe and Stallone. The answer side. is ballroom dancing. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And that's it. And then for like Britain with their whole Brexit thing, you've got like, you know, the Kingsman where it's all oh, the best of British. And, yeah. and then you've got Dunkirk where it's like they're fighting the enemy. And yeah. all this kind of thing. Like, there is that sense of, like, they're trying to convince themselves that they can... I mean, like, you know, it's gas because, like, you, you know, when you t- when you listen to, you know, the Brexit Party and all those dickheads talking about the Dunkirk spirit. Okay, yeah. And Dunkirk was only out a couple of years ago. Like, yeah. you know? <laughs> Isn't it crazy that there were... Was it two or three movies were released about Dunkirk all in the same year? It was Dunkirk, Their Finest, which is very good, by the way, with oh, uh, Gemma Arterton. Yeah. Arterton. Very good. Yeah, yeah. And Darkest Era as well. Yeah. And that's it. Like, And that's go. what I'm saying. And this was all around at the time of Brexit. Like, mm, so it was a kind of yeah. thing of like, let, let us band together. Yeah. And it's a non-story apparently outside of the UK anyway. The, like the French yeah, don't celebrate exactly. Dunkirk or anything. They don't. It's mad, yeah. Yeah. I don't, know. I don't know. This is Virgin on me. Just want to have a bit of a give out. Oh, no, Why God. not? We're talking Why about not? the relevance of movies and how they actually relate to real life politics and history. And yeah. <laughs> sure. Okay. Where does. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, it's because I had the title printed on it. Oh, yeah. Page. Where does Barbie fit into all this? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Best segue <laughs> yet. Yeah. Keep it so to the pros. Okay, so a new Barbie movie is being co-written. Can you have a guess at home yourself, audience member? It's Greta Gerwig. I this is nuts. This, this is very random. This is so random. Like, yeah, Noel Baumbach and Greta Gerwig apparently are going to write the script for Barbie. I tell you, I'll believe it when I see it because that many people have gone through this. Like, there was Amy Schumer, then there was Anne Hathaway, mm-hmm. now there's Margot Robbie. And then there was talk that, like, um, who was it? Amy Heckerling, apparently, was going to do a Barbie film. She was the one that did uh, Clueless. and she did Who owns the Barbie? Mattel. Um, and now, the, apparently, this film is at Warner Brothers, and that's why Margot Robbie came okay. in. Okay. Um, it's I, not Robbie. Ro- Robbie? Ro- I don't know. Margot Robbie? I've always heard Robbie. But now I'm worried I'm mispronouncing it. So but like anyway, Ro- continue. Ro- we'll just Williams. call her Margot. We're on first name. Well, yeah, it's like Robbie. Yeah, did you interview her? You interviewed her, didn't you? No, I'm just pretending. Okay. Um, <laughs> I thought you might have. Um, yeah. No, I'd I, love to meet her. I. She's so cool. Do <laughs> yeah. shout out. I just, I just meet her and be like, ding. I mean, would Sounds you think like of her great from content. like? Would you think of her from like neighbors though? Um. Well, I did, suppose what I'd immediately associate her now is with unfortunately even though it's not a very good movie it's probably going to be Suicide Squad or like The Wolf of Wall Street yeah. you know, which she's fantastic and especially when you consider that's like her first big feature True. you know that is one star launching move if ever I saw it and yeah. then there was her in the bathtub in the big short oh and I Tanya, she was amazing <laughs> as well yeah. oh yeah, like, that, oh, yeah that, that one that Oscar that nominated Oscar. performance <laughs> yeah. she did <laughs> because she didn't get she naked in that one that you didn't remember yeah. mm. uh, you she, chauvinist D she's also great in Mary Queen of Scots in fairness oh did you think she's very good in it I don't think she gets a lot of screen time because I mean it is about Saoirse Narona but yeah I do see as much as people well, I don't think too many people were giving out about it at the time. Like, I can see why that film was overlooked. Because, like, it's good. It's not great. It's not, like, Oscar-winning no. good. Um, but to get back to Barbie, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just so random. Because Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumkamp are associated with these kind of mumblecore movies, is the name of them. So they're, like, super realistic, like, kind of very mundane movies in which not an awful lot happens. And yeah. it's usually you've got people kind of in their, you know, 20s to 30s just kind of wandering around life. Getting through life in having, New York City. Yeah, jumping from job to job, having drinks with their friends. Like, not much actually happens in these movies, although I, I still quite like them, especially Francis Ha, which both yeah. of these guys worked on together. Another one, Mistress America. He um, also made Squid and the Whale. Yeah, yeah. Greenberg. Yeah. I actually have a bit of a soft spot for them, although I don't particularly like myself for it. Do you Why know what is I mean? that? The same reason I love Wes Anderson movies and then other people slag them and I go, maybe you're right, but whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, there is a thing of like, oh, I hate how much I like this. It can be yeah. reduced, right? Yeah, exactly. Is it just because it's speaking to our 
I don't know. I, don't I think know. maybe it's because those kind of directors and movies can very easily be accused of being, for want of a better word, but just I use this quite frequently, artsy fartsy. <laughs> so there's a kind of self-loathing when you're you like... lit up when you said yeah. artsy fartsy. Because I love artsy fartsy. I studied yeah. artsy fartsy in school. You do. Um, but I mean, Greta Gerwig has since, like, you know, all her kind of more indie projects. She obviously did Lady Bird, mm. which was like a huge success. And now she's doing Little Women, which I actually can't wait for. Yeah. I thought that we were getting it at the end of this year. Unfortunately, it looks like, and again, this is often the case you find with these Oscar, these kind of Oscar contenders, is that they're released in the States towards the end of the year, but we only get them early the following year. Oh, so unfortunately, wow. I think we're only probably going to see it in like early 2021, which is no such a way. shame. Um, but it's got an amazing cast. There's like Emma Watson, Laura Dern, Florence Pugh, Meryl Streep, Timothy oh Chalamet, Saoirse Ronan. I know. It's it's the movie. It's so it's good. The one movie. It's just going to be amazing. I am so, so excited for that. Um, but that is why Barbie is just such a weird one. But at the same time, it could be like really quirky and cool as a result. I don't think, Ooh. see, this is just it. I don't think they'll actually, again, to use a terrible turn of phrase for talking about a film about. Here we go. They don't have the balls to make something. <laughs> it's twice now. It's twice now. Last month it was womanhood. Yeah, now I'm talking about balls. The other saying that women don't have the, the balls yeah. to do I, this. But that. no, I don't, I don't think they'd actually have to follow through to make something subversive mm. and smart about Barbie. I don't know if you can. You yeah, know, because it. I mean, they already gave up with the whole Amy Schumer idea because that was the original idea was to have her play Barbie and kind yeah. of do something funny and... And when you, you know, guys talk about Margot Robbie or Roby, whichever, is that presumably her in the lead role yeah I th- yeah yeah so in she would play Barbie revamped. currently is she the front runner yes. for yeah, the Greta no, yeah. one I think up. she is like signed up for oh, it, okay. but they're just sorting every one and everything I was around I suppose another thing why I can't really put the two together is even like just looking at Gerwig's general filmography her style seems to be quite like episodic and yeah. kind of slices of life but how do you apply that to Barbie. Yeah. I just yeah. don't. I no, just how do you apply anything yeah. to Barbie? I mean, yeah. that's the bottom line. It's. I mean, the only way I could see it kind of working is if they did something like Mannequin. But even at that, <laughs> yeah. Mannequin wasn't that good. Like, like, do we even know what? It, how, I, I don't even. Are know we to, meant to expect Toy Story? I don't know. <laughs> this, I don't even know how you'd make a film out. I'm just it. really cynical about all this stuff because I know that it's just to get more people buying Barbies again. Correct. Correct. That's it. I mean, apparently fact- Barbie's still very popular, though. Yeah. I mean, like I've got a, I've got a niece. I don't think she played with Barbies. In America, you'd underestimate her power. Yeah. No, Barbie's mm. still huge over there. You really? Know? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Considering D is our resident Yank. Yeah. I'm going to take her. Wor- I'm going to take you at your word. Yeah, but I mean, like at the same time, you know, a Barbie movie isn't going to exactly make her out to be any worse and it will just you know reintroduce her to kind of maybe a worldwide audience and more generations and stuff so definitely it would still work for them but my point is I don't think Barbie's sales are in any kind of trouble any time soon anyway fair enough you know what I mean Um, do we need the film I don't think so well it'll be interesting to see what she does yeah I want to see what they do with it I, I want to be surprised and hopefully they'll surprise me I can't get Malibu Stacey out of my head What's the, what does, she's got a new hat. <laughs> I want it, I want it, I want it. I'm trying to remember what her line was when you pulled Don't the cord. Don't ask me, I'm just a girl. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, the other one was, trust in yourself and you can achieve anything. That, that was, was Lisa, Lisa, Lisa Lionheart. Lisa Lionheart. Yeah, Lisa never Lionheart. Sold. <laughs> yeah, they never sold one. Actually, no. when, remember when Owen first started working here, and I can't remember what the setup was. Brilliant. But we were talking about two things that are so, so alike, but there's only one tiny difference, and Owen just vibes up. But she's got a new hat, and we all started laughing, and we were like, Owen, welcome to the team. Yeah. And then I got carried away in a way. I know, yeah, carried just, yeah, just pulled it, just like, yeah, yeah I think the chair. I remember saying that, but I, I think it was when I made a Simpsons meme about the new FIFA. That's what it was. I was like, I really don't want to buy this one, but it's got a new hat. <laughs> <laughs> Just did buy it. I totally did. Yeah, of course, it did. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, we're moving on to our movie review section, which I believe uh, producer Dave has cameoed to do a new jingle, which none of us have heard. Movie reviews. 
Oh, it's so it's so energetic, isn't it? It's so energetic. As I just said, I haven't heard it yet. We're still in the studio, so we'll lie to the people. The I've, I've heard it in my imagination, and oh, I'm telling you. Oh, I thought you actually energetic. did hear no, it. No, I didn't. I didn't make it. I'm going to make it after this. I'm going to tell. Is you. it going to be collaborative? It will be collaborative. Can and you give will... us a hint of what it'll be, so that the people who have just heard the real no, one? No, because they've already heard it. So they exactly. Don't need so they have insight we don't have. Uh, they'll find it to be energetic and entertaining. They just have. They just have. <laughs> They're going to be like, wow, that's such an energetic jingle. I can't believe that the film show has such an energetic jingle. Oh, my God. That's uh, great to have producer Dave back. For producer that. Dave back. How I, long I did that take? Maybe a two-second jingle? That took literally 10 seconds. <laughs> Whipped it together, so I did. I love that we're talking about the future. <laughs> You're going to love it. This week's movie review is Disney's The Lion King. Which only Brian has seen. I was actually meant to get to it the other night, but due to (laughs) unforeseeable circumstances, I could not go, which I won't get into. But I couldn't go. I don't know what those circumstances are either. Uh, Not great, to be honest. Not great. You gave it two and a half stars, which, by the way, I think of all our reviews this year, because so far, like Disney live action they're They've basically been... completely like throwing them at the wall at this point. So we've already had Dumbo this year. Then uh-huh. we had Aladdin. Mm-hmm. We've this. And if you count Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, we'll have four all together. Though I wouldn't really count it because I mean, it's a sequel. And I know the original one was a live action reboot, but this one is completely detracting from the story. But anyway, for Aladdin and Dumbo, I believe, but correct me if I'm wrong, they both got three stars. So down the line, okay. But Lion King actually only got two and a half from yeah, our Brian Lloyd. Yeah, deservedly so, I believe. Yeah, it's very... Right, okay. And this, I, this is like literally the first line of the review, but basically, if you, if the task was put in front of John Favreau and the people who made this film, create a photorealistic version of the Lion King, do it shot for shot, but make it completely photorealistic. If that was... Kind of task- like the Vince Vaughn Psycho movie. Correct. <laughs> yeah, Correct. I was watching that this morning. Correct. How? That's not the kind yeah. of movie you watch in the morning. Ghost Van Sant, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, That's literally it. That's exactly what this is. It is a shot-for-shot remake of The Lion King with photorealistic animals in it. And it has absolutely no soul whatsoever. Mm, it yeah. is just... Blank. You're, you're, just, oh, no. you're just watching it and there's no connection whatsoever. Mm. There's no sense of emotion in it. And not only that as well, but I honestly think there was something in the fact that like, you know, when you go back and watch the original one, okay, fine, you had Matthew Broderick and you had James Earl Jones, but like, you know, Nathan Lane, uh, who was Timon. Oh, yeah. he was so good. He was brilliant. Yeah. And Ernie Sabella, who was Pumbaa. And even Jeremy Irons, mm, who was yeah. Scar. Oh, he's he was excellent, yeah. yeah. They were really good actors and they were really great voice actors and they were really able to kind of emote past the animation and really get yeah. you to a point where you believe them mm-hmm. not to mention that as you say those names everybody at home instantly pictures it like it, the movie is so ingrained in people yes. exactly like like the lion king was one of the first films i saw i think it was i think the first one i saw in cinema was uh homeward bound and then <laughs> it was uh the lion king and then i think it was ace ventura or something like that wow. so interestingly <laughs> enough let me just throw some figures out at you it's still the highest grossing traditionally animated film of all time and it was also the highest in video sales ever i think probably so yeah. yeah everybody yeah. had a copy of the lion Correct. king there you yeah go. so that fair yeah, yeah that, that and that's true like and that i think is what kind of irks me about this film is that it really does if you're not going to do anything new with it if you're not going to try what's the point what is the fucking point of doing Mm. it because all you're essentially doing is is just papering over what we've already seen using this technological improvements and that's not enough like that's not enough Mm. to convince anybody to go watch this I'd rather just go watch the original and like you know, John Favreau, he's a really, really good director and he's really, really gifted and he's got a real visionary sense of how to push the entire medium forward. Yeah, like we yeah. We were talking off air about what the he's Mandalorian. doing The Mandalorian, yeah, that he's basically created this um, 360 video wall thing to mm. give it a sense of forced perspective and blah, blah, blah. So instead of green screen and he's yeah, showing he's, he's video... Yeah, he's showing video in the background that's mm. then caught by the camera and the camera moves. It's, like it's incredible. Yeah. Incredible. So ingenious. Mm. 
why is he doing something like this? Why there's no art to this? And it is shot for shot. You know, you know what I mean. Is there literally when they do Hakuna Matata? It's the exact same thing. They're doing the little walk, and mm. then he walks out, and yeah. then he becomes older, and then they're still singing Hakuna Matata, shot for shot, beat for beat. It's the same film. Now, <clears throat> I think there's like an extra twenty minutes wrapped on to the live action film, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but. I don't know where they are. I don't know where those extra 20 minutes are. Really? It's an extra yeah. song or something, isn't it? Yeah, there? I mean, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Beyonce had a new song in it called Spirit. Um, but, like, I mean, be prepared. They cut it down a little bit. Wow. Um, you know, Hakuna Matata is there. Can you feel the love tonight? There. Circle of life? There. Yeah. Even the end, even the, the, the opening sequence. Again, shot for shot, like shot for shot. (laughs) The Wildebeest Stampede, shot for shot. It's right there. Hans Mm. Zimmer's music, it's all there. And yet, there is nothing in it that feels as connective, that feels as kind of like impactful as the original. Mm. I don't know, maybe it's just because like when I saw The Lion King... I was a kid and I was easily led and mm-hmm. whatever. And now, that I'm... but then it's connected with so many people. The original Lion King. I mean, I think it is probably the go-to favorite Disney classic animated feature for a lot of people. Definitely, so, yeah. so can't just be one generation's childhood. It must have appealed across generations. You yeah. know, I don't know. It's just like the whole time I was watching it, it was just apparent to me that I'm watching pixels move around the screen. Yeah. Mm. You know, I, that, that seems to be I was reading up on it today and the biggest discourse online seems to be about number one because they've made it so photorealistic the faces now have less emotion to almost what no emotion no emotion whatsoever mm. like that's it I'm just watching pixels move around the screen like and even when they talk their mouths kind of move up and down a bit but it's not you're not seeing you can do that on your phone sure kind of <laughs> yeah it, it's, it's, it's that thing it's almost like a deep fake you know yeah, yeah. Like yeah it's fake. weird yeah that's what it feels like I felt like I was watching mm. a deep fake <laughs> and, I mean, uh, why am I watching these lions like yeah. even when I saw Donald Glover on um, ooh what show Jimmy was Kimmel. it Jimmy Kimmel kind of talking about it like he just didn't really seem to care all that really? much or something. Which or his was eyes already weird. glazing over or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. It was weird. Like he was he was great and full of energy and stuff. But when it came to talking about the actual movie, like he yeah. wasn't like full of praise or saying I'm so mm. proud of this project or anything like that. I mean, he hadn't even met like Beyonce, right? Yeah. From what he was saying. So that's oh, the no. thing when there's a, di- a disconnect between like the actors and stuff. And I know that's kind of the style of yes. animation now is you go in and record a voice. I remember one of my most disappointing interviews ever was the end of my interview with Rupert Everett because I'm a huge Shrek 2 fan and I asked him about playing <laughs> Prince Charming because I think that's a great character and yeah. he was like yeah I just went into a studio and recorded it and took left. half a day and I was like thanks <laughs> <laughs> thanks for ruining ruining one of my favorite animated movies for me but that is the style of it you know but then at the same time I kind of feel like there's no excuse because then you have something like and I know it's not perfect but Toy Story 4 where you have characters voiced by these amazing actors really kind of bringing them to life and stuff so I don't know what's what's going wrong I think a lot of it is due to the fact that like they specifically chose the biggest names yeah. possible they got Beyonce mm. yeah. they got Donald Glover they got Chewy Tell Ejiofor who's like yeah. one of the foremost Shakespearean actors working today yeah you know, they got... Well, not to mention as well that, like, with Toy Story 4, Tom Hanks or whoever is going into a booth and having fun with a new script, whereas these mm. guys must feel pretty creatively constrained Definitely. as to what your job is, like... Yeah, but at the end of the... But at the same time, like, anime, there isn't much room for, um, whatchamacallit, like, uh, it's not ad-libbing, or... um, improv, improv yeah. in animation. You do have to stick to the script, so... Well... That's a perfect segue. That's a perfect segue. Oh, is it? Watch oh. this. Yeah. I'm claiming this one somehow. This is a great segue because... <laughs> Typical man. We have... <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm kidding, Owen. Oh, <laughs> Wait, that was a name to Brian? Um, well, we actually have an interview with an Seth interview. Rogen and Billy Eichner where they talked about improving and ad-libbing their best lines. Let's hear that interview. Let's hear that interview. I said it. 
I mean, did you speak to Nathan Lane? Did you speak to Ernie Sabella before you signed on or after you signed on? Do you have any relate? Any? I didn't. It shows what it, uh, how, like it didn't even occur to me. Like he <laughs> he reached out to Nathan Lane right away. Yeah, it didn't well, even I know occur him to me. Okay, okay. I know him. So that would have been weird. Not Ernie to Sabella ever is my uh, my cousin. So I see him three times a week. I still didn't ask. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I know I knew Nathan already, and I've been a massive fan of his since I was a kid and seeing him on Broadway and, and of course the movies and TV and everything so I reached out to him just to let him know and he was great and he was very supportive and he even emailed me a couple of days ago to congratulate me and now that the movie's coming out yeah. he's a class act he's incredible but you didn't I mean was there any particular reason or was it just I'm just not that nice a person, he I guess. hates Ernie Sabella. It's that exactly. classic, no. just like, screw that guy. Really I grew up Sabella. watching yeah. Saved by the Bell. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> when he was in Seinfeld, he was yeah, terrible. Was, yeah, terrible. exactly. I, I, I was always a huge fan. That's cool. Um, were there any, I mean, you know, obviously, like I said, the, the, these two roles are quite well identified with Nathan Lane or whatever. Um, did you have any kind of preconceived notions going in where you, like, purposely putting Nathan and Ernie out of your head or yeah to a certain degree yeah I think we wanted to sort of nod to the original the spirit of the relationship between the two characters we didn't want to change it in such an extreme way that you they didn't seem like Timon and Pumbaa but we obviously wanted to put our own spin on it and we thought we were cast for a reason and that John wanted us to bring our own sensibility to it and hopefully we found a balance mm. Exactly. Same, yeah. Exactly I mean, as an actor, you basically just do what the director seems you. to think is a good idea. Yeah. And, um, in this case, yeah, it was he was very uh, encouraging uh, for us to try to create our own dynamic and really yeah. infuse as much of our own personas and sensibilities uh, as possible into the characters and. And it seemed funny as we were doing it. And then when I watched it, it seemed funny, which yeah. doesn't always happen. So it was yeah. it was nice that that worked out. No, yeah, because I was going to say, because, like, I mean, like, think back to, like, Sausage Party, like, for yeah. example, where there's you can really feel the funny as you're watching that. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, with this, like, I mean, did you, was there any kind of opportunity to ad-lib, I guess? Tons. We improvised really? a lot. Almost yeah. every... Almost all of our spoken dialogue in the movie came from improv or it was inspired by an improv session that we had and then was kind of sculpted into jokes after. But John really encouraged that. And uh, I think I think you can feel it in the movie. It feels very conversational and you can feel that we're in the same room together and really reacting to each other. And it doesn't feel like can contrive dialogue. And I yeah. think that's why people are responding to it so well. I mean, just the fact that, like, you know, it's a PG film, I mean, did you find that restrictive? Because I know some comedians really struggle to, you know... It, it. I mean, I thought... I'm amazed, honestly, that I, that we think it's as funny as we do yeah. and that when I watch it, I'm like, oh, it's actually, like, a good representation mm -hmm. of, of, of our comedic abilities yeah. and sensibilities. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if we could swear, it would be funnier. Sure. But... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but yeah. knowing that, I think it's very funny still. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Yeah. And we also talked to John Favreau as well. Uh, we talked about, and I know we were talking about this again off air, we talked about The Mandalorian. I love it. I know. Let's hear it. Well, I was watching on Jimmy Kimmel and you said that most of this was done, you know, completely on a computer yeah. screen and what have you. Yeah. You know, like some directors, like they talk about when there's an actual set, you yeah. have more ideas to yeah. like, okay, we'll set the camera yeah, here. But for sure. With the fact there are no restrictions... Yeah. So what we do is we create restrictions. So right. so normally what you do is you'd have pencils and storyboards. You'd sometimes, even if you're shooting something, you'd shoot like a, a person in front of a green screen and that's your superhero and now you yeah. can create the background. But honestly, you're still leaving a lot of decisions to be made later. And that's not how I grew up learning how to make movies, whether it was as an actor or a director. You're blocking it. Right. So you want, but what, what I... The way I work when I'm directing a film is I have great, just like I have great cast, I have my great behind the scenes, behind the camera crew, cinematographer, production designer, all that. And you go to locations and you scout them and you talk and you walk around, you look, you check the light, you check the environment, you see what's going to work. Well, we, we were able to emulate that here because we created our environments virtually, but because of VR, we were able to load all of that into this multiplayer um, filmmaking VR game. And so when we designed our environments, and we would even have the animation available to us there, we would all put the headsets on and be able to walk around as though we were really in Africa and look around in, in, you know, in, in proper scale 
and say, hey, what about, is this a good shot? Or we could put Simba over there. Would it be great if we had the sun coming up behind Pride Rock? And then we could, ah, let's go to this side of the line. Like all the little conversations that you have where you're iterating and creating the creative language of the project and you get into this group think, we are able to emulate all that using these new technological tools. Yeah. I just, I, again, I, I just, because it's so, I've never heard of a film being done this way. Yeah, nobody's done it's it It's never, never been done before. Yeah. Um, what were the lessons you learned from that? I mean, was it a case of, okay, you know, really you have to expand your way of thinking? I mean, no, it was, it was creating tools that didn't require the filmmakers to work in a different way than they would in live action. We're working with Caleb Deschanel. He's never done a visual effects film before. Yeah. And how do we make it feel the same as though he were filming the animals in the Black Stallion? And so we built tools that made it very intuitive for analog filmmakers to jump into the digital realm. And then we were able to figure out a way for us to even pull the entire film crew in. So when we shot it or filmed it digitally, we had dolly grips pushing dollies and, and Caleb would run the camera on the wheels and would communicate with his dolly grip and all that would be pushing cameras around inside VR. That's really interesting. And we would generate dailies that would go to editorial and they would cut it together as though they were dailies from a live action film. And so that's why it has a different feel than most digital movies. Yeah, because like, you can sense that tactile kind of thing of like, you know, the, there was a decision to make to yes. place the camera here. All yeah. of those things that you can't consciously program into a spline, but if you're if two cameras, if two characters are walking and one moves left, one moves right, you feel the camera operator make a decision which way, what, what they're going to follow. Yeah. And those are all subconscious decisions. That, and we wanted to create a context that emulated the shooting environment so yeah. it felt the same way. I mean, has, you know, I mean, say, for example, for The Mandalorian, I mean, a, a lot yeah. of that is like you've said before, that's going to be, there's going to be a lot of VFX and that. Do you see yourself making another film like this again, or is it a case of, no, this is once I've done this now? Well, right now I'm so invested in The Mandalorian, and I've been writing them, and we've been working on it for uh, overlapping this one, as a matter yeah. of fact, because I was writing it during during the post-production here. But you could use a lot of these same game engine tools as we are, uh, but because we have live-action figures, it changes the workflow. So we start with... Um, very similar to how we shot Lion King, which is using VR, virtual production, figuring out how we're going to shoot things, what we're going to build. But then we're using game engine technology to create images uh, that uh, having positional tracking data on the camera itself allows us to throw the background set extension images onto a video wall and actually move the parallax with the camera. And so what you're getting is instead of uh, asking an actor or a crew to, to, to line up on a blue screen, we're actually allowing the camera and the actors to see what's going to be in the background. And we get all the interactive light and, and reflections from that screen. And that's building on a lot of the tools that we used actually in Jungle Book as well. So every one of these projects creates a new set of tools and a deeper understanding that I have that, that opens doors for me to tell other stories in different ways. So all of the stuff that was geared around the savannas of, of, of Africa now uh, translate to... Um, Tatooine or the Outer yeah. Rim and Star Wars. So it's it's very interesting how all of these things inspire one another. Yeah. I would just a final final point. I mean, what's the the reaction been to the actors of that of you know that idea of like the video with the moving video wall and the parallax? Oh, they they love it because Brilliant. you yeah, because you see what's around you. You don't have to imagine it. You don't have to react to something that's not there. And it's so convincing actually that people have visited the sets. I thought you weren't building sets. I thought you were just using uh, video, uh, video walls. Yeah, yeah. To, you know, one of our stages is completely encased with a ceiling and 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 around uh, spherical video walls. Jesus. And and when you walk in and you don't know any better, you look and you see the the set and it's extended into the background uh, using you know the 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 game engine. And uh, unless the camera's moving, it you lock in and you you think that you're really in a big set. It's just full. It's all forced perspective. Yeah, it fools of course. Your eye. Yeah. You know, you don't realize you're looking at something flat. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like it was really hard. Were they, to, but were they like fun to talk? They to? were fun to talk to, and like John Favreau, like really nice guy, really very sound. Had lots. But of I mean, stuff. he he did it so well with the Jungle Book as well. Yeah. So like, yeah. what what's his take on this? Do you think? I think I mean, I per- personally, Larry, I have nothing to base this on. He didn't say this to me. I'm just <laughs> I'm just. I regret this project. I don't think he regrets it necessarily. I think what he was basically told. I think, I think he was told, look. 
give us a shot for shot remake and he did exactly what he was told to do yeah. yeah he was a real kind of like i'm a company man here you've asked me to make you a shot for shot remake i have produced that mm. yes that's it i've done that now i will say this is he did tell me off camera off mic that he know what he noticed about the mandalorian was was that the focus was really off him yeah because he was saying that like all the attention was on episode nine or on the rise mm. of Skywalker. Said all the focus oh, was on yeah. that. Said, said we were kind of basically left alone to do whatever. Oh, we want. I thought you Brilliant. literally meant the shots were out of focus, and oh. I was like, "What? No, <laughs> no the focus awful. is off in no. this series." <laughs> no, no, no. He was talking about that in the Mandalorian. He basically said that, yeah. like, you know, we were kind of left alone to do our own thing. The focus was off us. Like, he said, well, we that's mean- definitely going to be a good thing. Oh yeah, but also oh, presuming yeah. that means he he's saying as opposed to this, where I don't know. I mean, like, I I because I just when. The, when the camera went off I said look I'm really excited to see the Mandalorian yeah. I absolutely love Star Wars I love the spaghetti western thing you're doing he's like yeah no I'm really excited about it like bro, it's gonna be so good like, yeah, I said yeah. they've been really smart letting the, tra- letting the trailers off not yeah. putting the trailers online for the Mandalorian I'd love to give just another shout out to John Favreau because in Spider-Man Far From Home he gives a great performance yeah. he's a great actor mm, as yeah. well actor, yeah. Yeah. but I think that even like between you know his involvement there with the Marvel franchise and obviously he did like the first Iron Man and stuff yeah. and Disney and Star Wars like he knows when a studio is kind of pushing back yeah. and when yes. they're giving a bit more breathing room and look he's certainly so. not in trouble like he's well known as a studio director like oh, he yeah. makes yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Money, like yeah, 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 absolutely. Like, but like the bottom line is, this is a huge misstep for mm. Disney. It, See, number one thing, is the yeah. timelines. Yeah. It just drives yeah. me crazy that they considered putting out those three classics as remakes in the same year. It's a greediness. That's all it is, mm. you know. And I mean, they've got Avengers Endgame and freaking Spider-Man: Far From Home all in the one year. I don't know. I just think that it's it's greedy. And and I know that other people were big fans of Far From Home, but I personally felt like it was just another kind of Marvel movie just being spat in. out. Yeah. And I was really frustrated by that. And I'm really worried that if this is supposed to be setting up the next cycle, that that's all we're going to get. And I mean, like, I think we kind of talked a lot about, we've said it with every Disney live action film, that this will make or break, this will make or break. The fact that the <laughs> last two were so down the line average and this one, from what Brian is saying, is actually bad. I don't know. It, it's not looking good. Yeah, I mean, the only one that's kind of, the only other thing to come is Mulan, mm. which... Which the trailer looks great. And that, see, see, this is it. Like, I think if they actually do something original, yes. if they make something original, you're kind of on the right track. This wasn't original at all. This was pointless. But like Mulan, they're taking out the good bits. They're taking out the singing <laughs> and they're taking out Mushu. I'm like, what? But it's But there is something kind of a bit like... It remi- looking at the trailer reminded me a bit of Aladdin just the kind of vibrant colours and the slight stagey feel to it so I don't know sure. I'm not feeling too optimistic about Mulan either if I'm honest I don't know I was watching it was like okay this is kind of like Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon if they're trying to do like Hero with it or something yeah. like that where it's just I don't know it's hard to tell at this stage. it's hard to tell I mean, like, I mean the trailer wasn't that long it didn't really give a yeah, yeah it's like a minute long I have exactly. learned like you know with those teaser trailers especially like you're mm. really only getting like yeah. a teeny tiny rem- I forgot to give out the second point that people were giving out about about the Lion King online which is the color palette apparently is really subdued and maybe it's just because it's so naturalistic again. Mm, it is, yeah, that's but it. It was the same with Aladdin. Like it has that kind of dead behind the eyes feel to it. Yeah. No, and that was a colorful film, but again, just kind subdued. Kind of a hollowness to it or something, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the guy, the guy, the cinematographer on The Lion King is a guy called Caleb Deschanel. He's a really, really well-known cinematographer. Like mm. he did... Um, how much cinematography, by the way, can you actually do for a movie like that? Do yes, this isn't shot. it all live action? <laughs> yeah, because I mean, like, ba- <laughs> or not live action? Sorry, yeah. CGI. Yeah, yeah. You'll hear, you'll hear it in the interview when John Favreau was talking about. It. They basically use like VR game engine technology, okay, to kind of set up where the camera would go. Oh, okay, to place themselves in this low res exactly jungle yeah. or whatever. Yeah, correct. Yeah, and then the idea was was that. After that, then they could say, right, we want this color palette to be kind of orange. We want it to have a bit more of a naturalistic kind of thing, blah, 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 blah. So, again, like, that's it. What I would call The Lion King right down the middle, it's a technical exercise of a film. Sure. Mm. But as a story, as an emotional story, as something that you will get invested in, it doesn't work. But as a technical exercise... As something that is visually mm. appealing, it does look. It's at great. the forefront of 
visual Complete, technology or whatever. Completely. Like, if this was a demo, I'd be like, that's one of the best demos I've ever that seen. That lion hair looks great, yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> it all looks incredible. I can't believe that not one bit of this is actually real. But at the same time, it's I'm like... It's just unenjoyable. It's just unenjoyable. It's just soulless. Like, there's nothing in it. Like, it's so soulless. Like, It's not even... It's too late. They've done it now. They've made, I can't believe they got that far along in the process. Because mm. you have to go through so much of that... I, like the amount of work it sounds yeah. like they put in to make it look great and no one ever went should we do it 10% original I, I mean know. Beauty and the Beast had that I was actually mm. quite satisfied there was a lot of problems with that as well yeah but because it had like oh expanded s- Cogsworth yeah. with Ian McKellen and stuff you're like oh my god cool yeah exactly yeah no it might do okay I actually remember when I reviewed Beauty and the Beast at the time I gave it three and a half stars yeah which is okay and I think it's fair and I got like stick from some dad saying that it was this fantastic movie <laughs> and it deserved five stars I was like okay Get a grip, buddy. Yeah. yeah. It's fine. Yeah, I'm glad you and your child, inner child, enjoyed it, I guess. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't get why he was so into <laughs> so it. So we're saying... It was fine. It's what? Is that the highest peak in, you know, it's three and a half for Beauty and the Beast, three for Dumbo, three for Aladdin, and two and a half for The Lion King. I'm trying to remember what we Are gave we the Jungle IP? Book. I think we gave the Jungle Book about four, I think. I think so maybe four is four, the highest, yeah. yeah. I mean, Jungle Book was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is, is not... Not at all. The fact that they're decreasing as well. I think that's just <laughs> yeah. a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, it is. It's like, like M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, when you go from like, yeah, from like the Sixth Sense, which is like amazing, and then it's... Down uh, in a yeah. perfect line. Although I do love the, I do love the village. I, I love the village. Oh, I really, I really like, the, like village. the village. Thank you. Yeah. Because loads of people hate the village and I think it's great. I love it's the village. It's his best, I think. Yeah. I think it is. I, do you know what? Yeah, I, it's because I saw it in the cinema and I was scared shitless. Yeah. I also kind of like the lady in the water. I know a lot of people don't, but I like it. <laughs> this podcast is over. <laughs> Just cut it right there. We're done. Just <laughs> We're done. We're done. Um, enjoy going to see The Lion King tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks, but enjoy it. Bye. Yeah, no, let us know what you think on our Twitter, which is The Film Show with at a U. The Film Show. Oh, you have to say at, yeah. At The Film Show. There we go. And subscribe or just keep listening to this as you are weekly. So thanks very much. I've been Owen Ronane. Join with me, Dee Malumbi and Brian Lloyd. <laughs> Yeah, we brought back the outro.